drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is Thursday. You are only one day away from your weekend. How amazing is that? Praise be to God. We have so much to look forward to. And it's going to be a great show today. Did you know that nearly 7 in 10 Catholics, 69% of Catholics, those who identify as Catholics, say they personally believe that the bread and wine, which is transubstantiated, which becomes the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ in the Holy Eucharist in the Mass. They believe that's not, that doesn't happen. They believe it's only symbolic. They do not believe in the teaching of the Church. 69% of Catholics hold to that, according to a Pew Research study from 2019. Today, we're going to be addressing that point in a big way. To do that, we're going to have a gospel reflection, which is very well-timed. Today is the Our Father of Matthew chapter 6. Of course, that uh, epiousios Greek word there is super substantially important, puns intended. And then, of course, Gabriel Castillo is going to be our guest from Gabi After Hours. He's been on the show a number of times already. He is incredible Catholic evangelist, and we're going to be talking about the Holy Eucharist and the Sacred Heart of Christ. But we're going to be addressing the issue. What does the church teach about the Eucharist? Why does it hold to that? And what do the early church fathers have to say? And why you should never, never reject this incredible teaching, this beautiful gift of God, true bread come down from heaven. That is what's going to be on the show in this first hour of Catholic Drive Time. Hopefully you can join us for all or part of that, and we are grateful for it. Good morning to you, Janelle. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. It's good to see you. It's very good to see everyone at the studio, too. So it's all good news Thursday, right? Well, we'll see about that. <laughs> no. It's, everything is good news. Every, everything, everything is, is everything good news. Speaking of which, uh, Adrian Fonseca is here again on the ones and twos. Is, is good that, morning to you. Speaking of good news, is me being here? Yes. Well, it's good to be here. So sure. praise be to God. Why not? We'd love to see it. Praise and, be to God. And you know, God. speaking of which, all the... Uh, all the you know, talk of the true presence of the Eucharist. I may or may not have put in a spot during the first break related to this exact topic as well. Really? So um, keep your ears peeled for uh, that spot in the first break. Yeah, amen. Praise be. It's tragic, isn't it? 69% of Catholics do not believe what the church teaches on the Eucharist. 69%. That is crazy. Absolutely bonkers to me. And I think part of the issue for me is just like this notion that somehow that what the church actually teaches and has taught uh, the patrimony and the tradition of the church is somehow negotiable, somehow debatable, somehow we can like all take a vote on it, you know, up or down. Uh Uh-uh, that's not how it works. The cafeteria is closed. And we're not picking and choosing. We accept what the church teaches and has been handed down to us from Christ through the apostles, the bishops, down to our day. But we're going to be conversating more about that today. So let's jump in. We have a lot to get into. Very excited. Gabriel Castillo is going to be our guest again. Gabby After Hours on YouTube, True Faith uh, TV. Isn't it True Faith.TV or what is it? Um, I think it's True Faith TV on YouTube as well. 
At any rate, uh, it's going to be a jam-packed show. Hopefully, this is one of those shows that you can share with friends and family. TrueFaith.tv. TrueFaith.tv. And hopefully, we can, you can share this with your friends and your family, and they might learn something, and praise be to God for it. So, let's jump in, and let's uh, ask our Lord, the most sacred heart of Jesus, to, uh, uh, to give us the graces we need to, for salvation. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, O most sacred heart of Jesus, Pour down thy blessings abundantly upon thy church, upon the supreme pontiff, upon all the clergy. Give perseverance to the just, convert sinners, enlighten unbelievers, bless our parents, friends, and benefactors. Help the dying, free the souls from purgatory, and extend over all hearts the sweet empire of thy love. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Janelle Lay. Lots of headlines today. Louisiana becomes first Democrat-led state to opt out of federal unemployment benefits. Texas governor says state will provide $250 million down payment for border wall. Brazilian church calls day of prayer as COVID-19 victims approach half million. Germany bans killing chick embryos because they feel pain, but still allows abortion of humans. Unvaccinated will have cell phone SIM cards blocked in Pakistan province. And churches vandalized in Vancouver Archdiocese. Reuters reports Australian companies, central bank hit by widespread, widespread net outages. Australia's central bank, the Postal Service and several commercial lenders as well as other companies grappled with internet outages on Thursday, disrupting customer accounts and financial transactions before some services were restored late in the day. One of the companies affected, Virgin Australia, said it was one of many organizations to experience an outage with the Akami content delivery system, though the situation was now resolved. The country's number two airline said it used Akami Technologies Incorporated for IT network authentication. We are well aware of the issue and are actively working to restore services as soon as possible, a spokesperson for Akami said in an emailed statement. Many other websites in Australia, including those belonging to the Central Bank, the Commonwealth Bank of Australia, Westpac Banking Corp, and Australia and New Zealand Banking Group, had also started to come back online late afternoon on Thursday. Websites of major U.S. airlines, American Airlines, Southwest Airlines, United Airlines, and Delta Airlines also experienced disruptions early on Thursday, according to outage monitoring website Down Detector. The websites were back up in about an hour. It was not immediately clear if the outages in Australia and the United States were linked. The outages predominantly in Australia on Thursday come a little over a week after thousands of government news and social media websites around the world were hit by a technical issue linked to U.S.-based cloud company Fastly Incorporated. From the Epic Times, Heatwave grips Western U.S. Millions of people in a large swath of the western United States are bearing an unusually early and enduring heat wave, with temperatures in some places breaking or matching historic records. The heat is expected to last until at least Sunday. High atmospheric pressure is believed to be contributing to the scorching weather. The heat wave also impacted the normally temperate San Francisco Bay Area. Triple-digit heat was forecast in Denver, which saw a record high of 101 degrees Tuesday. The Weather Service issued an excessive heat warning for parts of western Colorado, most of which is experiencing extreme drought conditions. In Nevada, Las Vegas hit 116 degrees, breaking the record of 114 degrees for the date set on June 16, 1940. At least 14 new fires have been reported in Montana and Wyoming since Tuesday. 
Also from the Epic Times, U.S. spending $1.2 billion on Merck's COVID-19 treatment is a waste of taxpayers' money, according to a doctor. A critical care doctor had said it's a waste of taxpayers' money for the U.S. government to purchase drug company Merck's antiviral treatment for COVID-19 if it's approved by the Food and Drug Administration. Dr. Pierre Corey, president and chief medical officer of the Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance, said there's no reason for the Biden administration to enrich Merck for a drug, which has already been the source of a whistleblower complaint and which has already failed in hospitalized patients. When ivermectin, a low-cost, safe, widely available drug that has proven to work in many phases of the disease, not only as outpatients but inpatients, is ready to be distributed to Americans. And those are your headline news for Thursday, June 17th. God love you. The saint of the day is St. Teresa of Portugal. She was born on the 4th of October, 1178, in Coimbra, uh, Portugal. Born a princess, the oldest daughter of King Sancho I, married to King Alfonso IX of Leon, Spain, northern Portugal, for part of her dowry. She was the mother of three children, and several years into the marriage, it was dissolved by the Vatican upon the revelation that Teresa and Alfonso were cousins. Single again, Teresa returned to Portugal where she converted the Benedictine monastery at Lorvaio into a convent for 300 Cistercian nuns. Teresa then moved into the convent, though she did not take vows. In 1231, she left to settle a bitter secession dispute between her children over the throne of Lyon. With peace between them, she returned to the convent, took vows, and remained there as a nun for the rest of her life. She died on the 18th of June, 1250, at Lorvaio, Abbey, Portugal, of natural causes. She was canonized on the 20th of May, 1705, by Pope Clement XI. St. Teresa of Portugal, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 15. Jesus said to his disciples, In praying, do not babble like the pagans, who think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This is how you are to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your transgressions. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. There's, you could, we could spend the rest of this show, both hours, just talking about this particular passage. There's so much meat on the bone here. But to, uh, for the sake of brevity, uh, I want to thank verboom.com forward slash GRN for generously underwriting our program, our portion of our program, and allowing us to dive deep into the gospel passage today, Matthew 6, 7 through 15. 
I wanted to focus on two elements of this passage. One is vain repetition. I think that's very important. As Catholics, we are praying prayers and we repeat them very frequently, the rosary being an example of that. And many non-Catholics simply do not understand it, and then they will cite this passage as uh, what they will feel is a rebuke of things like the rosary. Is that true? Did our Lord forbid repeating prayers Or did he make distinctions between vain repetitive prayers and repetitive prayers? Now, did he condemn all? In the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, it points out that the practice of the time when Jesus said these words to his disciples, the pagans were were routinely reciting long litanies of divine names. These were pagan gods. These were uh, idolatrous practices. And this was meant to ensure that the deity was addressed properly, according to the pagans. This was vain, and this was empty, and this is what Jesus was calling out. Do not be like them, he says. So does he actually condemn all repetitive prayer? Somehow, many people think so, but the answer is not. In fact, Jesus himself repeats the same exact prayer in Matthew chapter 26 in the Garden of Gethsemane. Let this cup pass from me, not my will, but thy will be done. He says that prayer three times. That's pretty repetitive. How about the fact that he prays all night in Luke chapter 6 so before he chooses his uh, his apostles? So we see that sort of same practice, same effort by our Lord that we ourselves hold to. Uh, he has led the way in that by example. But that's not all. There are many other examples. How about the four living creatures before the very face of God in heaven? As uh, noted in Revelation chapter 4 verse 8, it says this, And the four living creatures... Each of them, with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night, they never cease to sing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. If vain repetition was to be banned, forbidden, terrible, then why would the Lord allow these four living creatures before his very throne, day and night, never ceasing to repeat the same words? I don't know. I'm I'm guessing it's because vain repetition is different than repetitive prayer. Anyway, let's move on. There's two parts to the Our Father. Uh, The first section glorifies God. That's uh, verses 9 through 10. The second section, verses 11 through 13, these are petitions uh, to God for the human needs. And it's in this section that I really want to focus, and I'll just hint to it now, and then after the break, I want to dive deeper into it. And that is the epiousios. Give us this day our epiousios, our daily bread, or as St. Jerome would say, our super substantial, that which is above all substances and more excellent than all creatures, to wit, the body of the Lord, the Eucharist. In the Our Father, the daily reception of the Holy Eucharist. In the Our Father. The body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. We're going to talk more about that on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time. Be right back. Howdy. This is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. 
God love you. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need a mercy. I need a savior. Gloryandshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Gloryandshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Gloryandshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Gloryandshine.com. Thank you again. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up in about 20 minutes from now, Gabriel Castillo from Gabi After Hours is going to be our guest. He's been on the show uh, several times before. He's an incredible Catholic evangelist, just full of energy. I think we have to duct tape him to the seat just to make sure that he uh, stays contained somewhat. But uh, it's going to be a great show. We're going to be talking about the Holy Eucharist and the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Looking forward to that in about 20 minutes from now. But I want to jump into the in the What's Concerning Us section today. There's this... Uh, the, uh, the vast majority of Catholics simply reject church teaching. This is very concerning. Now, I'm going to read to you a portion of the Pew Research uh, from pewresearch.org. And this goes back now a couple of years, I think 2019. So, this is not new information. This is not, uh, this is not the most current information. Um... But I think it's still, still very concerning and still very indicative of what we're facing today. This is what it says. Pew Research Study Survey finds that most self-described Catholics don't believe this core teaching, the teaching on the transubstantiation. It says, in fact, nearly 7 in 10 Catholics, 69% say they personally believe that during Catholic Mass, the bread and wine used in communion are symbols of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Symbols. Symbols. Just one-third of U.S. Catholics, 31%, say they believe that during Catholic Mass, the bread and wine actually become the body and blood of Jesus. Only 31% of Catholics Hold to what the church has taught from day one. From day one. I'm going to get to more of that here in a moment. The research goes on to say, most Catholics who believe that the bread and wine are symbolic do not know that the church holds the transubstantiation occurs. In other words, they don't know what the church actually teaches. Why don't Catholics know what the church teaches? Well, I'll tell you why. Because they're not being taught what the church teaches, number one. Number two, they aren't looking at what the church teaches. They put no effort themselves into picking up the catechism of the Catholic Church, an encyclical, the Bible. I mean, nothing. They put no effort into it. But I guarantee they put a ton of effort into doing other things like entertainment and and their jobs. And these are all decent things. They're not bad things, these other things. But are they as important as understanding one's faith? as living in a state of grace, to be worthy to receive the communion, the bread of angels, you know, the, the heavenly bread come down from heaven, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. 
They're just not putting any effort into it. It says overall, 43% of Catholics believe that the bread and wine are symbolic and also that this reflects the position of the church. They think the church actually thinks it's symbolic. These Catholics, 69% uh, is the group that don't believe in what the church teaches. 31% of that group says the church probably thinks this is symbolic. They have put no effort, and they misunderstand what church teaching actually is. The article goes on to say, The vast majority of those who believe that the bread and wine actually become the body and blood of Christ, 28% of all Catholics, that's who believes, do not, do know, they in fact do know that this is what the church teaches. A small share of Catholics, 3%, profess to believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, despite not knowing the church's teaching on transubstantiation. Look at, look at these numbers. This is so tragic. About 6 in 10, 63% of the most observant Catholics, the most observant Catholics, 63% of that chunk, those who attend Mass at least once a week, accept the church's teaching about transubstantiation. Still, Even among this most observant group of Catholics, roughly one-third, 37%, don't believe that the communion, bread, and wine actually become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. In other words, if you go to daily Mass, if you're going to daily Mass, look around the room. There is a good chunk of those people who do not believe what the Church teaches about the Holy Eucharist. Let that sink in. That's daily Mass. Daily Mass goers that don't believe in what the church teaches. This, my friends, is very concerning. Now, we could go to the Bible and we can look at uh, John chapter 6, for instance. It's something we've dived into quite a bit during the Daily Gospel Reflections on this program. I mean, that was, I don't know, maybe a month ago or so. Maybe it was uh, two months now that we went through John chapter 6 and and we just hammered it. You know, what the, uh, the, 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 the real presence of Christ there taught by Jesus himself, And it caused such a scandalous turn that many of his disciples abandoned him as a result to what he, what he said. His sarks, his flesh had to be consumed. His uh, blood had to be, had to be, uh, uh, drunk. I mean, this is what he taught and his disciples left him. But what about the early church? The early, how did they understand? How did they perpetuate from the earliest days? You know, one of the documents that really convinced me of the authenticity of, of the Catholic Church, because I was a naysayer, I was raised Protestant, became pagan, and had a conversion. But one of the documents that intellectually convinced me of the, of the truth of the Catholic Church was a document called the Didache, the Teaching of the Apostles. This, some scholars put this thing back to the 50s A.D., first century, while apostles were still alive and breathing. I mean, 50s A.D., Peter and Paul are executed in the 60s. So we're talking very early on. The Didache says this, and you could Google this. Go Google the Didache and read it for yourself. It's powerful. The Didache says this, but let no one eat or drink of your uh, Eucharist, your thanksgiving, but they who have been baptized in the name of the Lord. Only the baptized could receive the Holy Eucharist in the early church. First century A.D. 
He goes on to say, For concerning this also the Lord hath said, Give not that which is holy to the dogs. Not just anyone could come to communion in the first century A.D. This is a document that they found so many copies of that some scholars speculate that it was used to teach catechumens how to read and write. They did copy work with this document, and they passed it widely through the ancient church. The Didache goes on to say, but every Lord's Day, Sunday, on Sundays, every Lord's Day, do ye gather yourselves together and break bread and give thanksgiving. Greek word, eucharistasis. The Eucharist is present here. After having confessed your transgressions, do you present yourself uh, worthily to receive communion? I know it's one of my big struggles to think, am I worthy to receive the bread of angels? That's why we go to confession. And that's why many of the TLM uh, parishes offer confession right before uh, Mass starts. And they're not the only ones. There are also Nova Soto parishes that do the same thing. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Do we go to confession? According to the Didache, first century church, mid-first century church, it says you should uh, only receive after you have confessed your transgressions. It says that your sacrifice may be pure, but let no one that is at variance with his fellow come together with you until you be, until they be reconciled that your sacrifice may not be profaned. That's from the Didache. Okay, that's mid-first century AD. How about this? One of my favorites of the early church fathers, if not the, St. Ignatius of Antioch. This guy was a rock star in the ancient world. He was widely known, widely known. Well, one, because he was an incredibly holy bishop. He was also a incredibly heroic bishop, standing up to heretics. But also, because he was, an, he was a disciple of the Apostle John, the guy, the beloved disciple who stood at the foot of the cross received the Blessed Mother into his home that very day upon the Lord's command. That is who taught Ignatius of Antioch the faith. So, this is no slouch. This guy has got it from a great source, right? Amen? And in his letter to the Samaritans, while he was on his way by Roman guard to Rome to be eaten by lions there, a powerful story. In fact, I think I'm going to give it away today in my in the email that I send out to the subscribers of Catholic Drive Time. Uh, I actually narrated all of the letters of St. Ignatius of Antioch. I did this back in like 2007. I still have those MP3s. I think I'm going to send you that as a resource in the email tonight. So if you want to get that free, you got to get on the email list, and you can do that by texting GRN to the number 42828. Just text GRN to 42828 tonight. You'll get an email from me, and I will send you that for free. All of my uh, narrated copies of St. Ignatius of Antioch's letters. It's powerful stuff. He says this, 110 AD, 110 AD, heretics, they abstain from the Eucharist and from prayer because they confess not the Eucharist to be the flesh of our Savior Jesus Christ, which suffered for our sins and which the Father of, of his goodness uh, raised up again. That's 110 AD. They confess not the flesh to be the Eucharist. Let that sink in. I want you to, to ponder this. This is the earliest witnesses of the faith. Christ passed it on to his apostles, and they pass it on to the next generation. And this next generation is passing it on all the way down to our time. It is the constant teaching of the church 
that the Holy Eucharist is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is the medicine for our soul on our pilgrimage uh, to, the, to the Holy Land. Just like in the Old Testament, when that miracle bread came down to feed the people, they had to receive it daily. And this is another topic that the early church fathers speak frequently of. Frequently of. St. Cyprian, 248 AD, says this, For Christ is the bread of life, and this bread belongs not to all men, but to us. Let that sink in. In a day and an age where we want to let everybody come to communion, no matter what, why could you be so judgmental? You're not letting people come to communion. The ancient church says this, for Christ is the bread of life, and this bread belongs not to all men, but to us. This bread, we pray that it be given day by day, lest we who are in Christ and who daily receive the Eucharist for food of salvation should by the admission of any grievous crime and are being therefore forbidden the heavenly bread be separated from the body of Christ. Hence, then we pray that we who abide in Christ may not draw back from his sanctification and his body. St. Cyprian, 248 AD. It's not that we don't want people to come to communion. We want to have them come through conversion and then come be initiated into the body of Christ through baptism, through confirmation, and be prepared uh, properly to receive Holy Communion. But notice the elements here. You can't come to communion with transgressions on your soul. You have to confess them, as the Didache said back in the 50s AD. Augustine, we're talking 4th century here, 396 AD, he says, Here then the saints ask for perseverance of God when they pray that they may not be separated from the body of Christ, but may abide in that holiness committing no crime. Again, an element of confession here, that we cannot present ourselves to communion with, uh, with sin on our soul. We have to have a pure conscience. Cassian, he says, in that he says this day he shows that it is to be taken daily, and that this prayer should be offered at all seasons, seeing there is no day on which we have no, not need by the receiving of this bread to confirm the heart of the inward man. This is powerful stuff. The witness is consistent from, from the very mouth of Christ who spoke the words of the Our Father in today's gospel, the epiousios, the daily bread, the super substantial, the bread of angels down through the ages to our time. And next, we're going to link it to the sacred heart of Christ. Gabriel Castillo is coming up next. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard it said that the church has been weak and ineffective? Well, G.K. Chesterton says the church has been so powerful and effective that it colored even the things it had not hoped to influence and changed its enemies as well as its friends. It affects everything it touches. It inspires a life-changing love from its friends and a self-destructive hatred from its enemies. Its enemies will do everything to destroy it, and they end up destroying everything, except the church. The Catholic Church, says Chesterton, has endured for 2,000 years, and the world within the church has been more lucid, more level-headed, more reasonable in its hopes, more healthy in its instincts, more humorous and cheerful in the face of fate and death than all the world outside. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org 
Hi, Joe McClain here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janelle Lay, and here are your headline news. Reported by Crooks, critics say Argentinian blacklist of pro-lifers uses dirty war tactics. A Planned Parenthood-funded list in Argentina of supposed members of the alt-right, including the country's Catholic bishops, is being decried as harking back to the days of the country's dirty war. A group of self-described progressive journalists created a website called Reacción Conservadora, in which they have names, pictures, and personal information of people and institutions that they claim are conspiring to prevent the broadening of abortion rights. The list includes Argentinas, Catholic bishops, politicians, journalists, academics, medical doctors, and even the daughter of a candidate for sainthood. The website included an interactive map with logos of organizations and faces of individuals. When a person clicked on the images, it would open a file with personal information about them. The list reminded its targets of similar blacklists employed by the military during the 1974 to 1983 Dirty War when the regime disappeared thousands of political opponents. Soon after the site was published, hashtag Viaccion Conservadora and hashtag Desparto Argentina began trending on Twitter, with people both defending and attacking the initiative. The outrage against the site forced the creators to take it down just hours after it went live on Sunday. Many of those featured on the website have said they would sue the six journalists involved. The website was financed by International Planned Parenthood Federation, Western Hemisphere Region. The list includes over 400 people and institutions belonging to a wide range of ideologies, including the Conference of Catholic Bishops, Nobel Prize nominee Abel Albino, who's long fought against malnutrition in Argentina, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, Opus Dei, the daughter of Enrique Shaw, a local businessman recently declared as venerable by the Vatican, the D.C.-based Capital Ministries, and Human Life International. From the Hill, China sends first astronauts to its self-developed space station. China on Thursday sent the first astronauts to its self-developed space station as the world's second-largest economy works to become a dominant force in the world of space exploration. The trio of astronauts launched into space on a Shenzhou-12 spacecraft on top of a Long March 2F rocket approximately at 9.22 a.m. local time Thursday morning in China. They are en route to the Tianhe module of the country's space station. The Chinese government put the space station into orbit at the end of April. Zhang Xiefen, the director of the launch center, said the mission was a complete success at around 20 minutes after the launch. The trip is reportedly the first time since 2016 that China launched a manned mission to space. The three astronauts will be docked at the station for three months to complete maintenance work, spacewalks, and science experiments. A cargo spacecraft was launched into the station last month to provide food, fuel, and other equipment for the crew. China will launch 11 missions for cargo and other astronauts to go to the space station by the end of 2022. Four of those will be manned missions. Another launch is reportedly scheduled for September. That crew will replace the current trio that launched into space Thursday. China is not permitted to send astronauts to the International Space Station, which is a joint effort between the U.S., Russia, Europe, Japan, and Canada. 
The country, according to Time, has been banned from the station since 2011, when Congress passed a bill forbidding official American contact with the Chinese space program out of concerns for national security. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a holy Thursday. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Janelle, for keeping us up to date. I also want to thank realestateforlife.org for generously sponsoring a portion of our program. Uh, Real Estate for Life connects people who are either buying or selling homes uh, to support pro-life organizations like ours. So we're very grateful to them. Uh, it means a lot. It helps us to keep uh, keep this program going, especially you know, on a daily basis, getting up at 3 a.m. It can be hard, but bringing you uh, news and information, intelligent conversation, and and all of that uh, requires incredible sponsors like realestateforlife.org. So thank you for that. God bless you and God love you. Uh, joining us in the studio once again is Gabriel Castillo. Good morning to you, Gabe. Good morning, Joe. It's such a joy to be here with you. Praise be to God. It's good to see you again. I like it that you come into. The I studio. come in, and, and Adrian said, "Do you want to zoom in?" I say, "Absolutely not." I need to feel the love and the joy of the people in this room. I, I don't like doing the Zoom thing. No, yeah. I, should I fire him for suggesting? No, it? not at all. You should okay. you you should okay. enc- just encourage him to say, Gabe, we need you to come in person. Wake up. Don't be lazy. Do the right thing. Be a man. Be a man. Yeah, I was encouraging uh, Mr. Castillo here to to zoom in because. Mr. Castillo just had a new baby girl. Yes, wow. that's right. I did have a beautiful baby, and she'll be baptized today at 1 o'clock. Praise so be to God. if you're in the Sugarland area and you'd like to stop in, feel free. Praise be to God. Another member of the body of Christ. That's right. Uh, an eternal soul that I have to struggle to get to heaven. Now, uh, if those of you who are hanging out with us and you're like, uh, who's Gabriel Castillo anyway? Gabriel Castillo, he has a, a couple of YouTube channels that are pretty awesome. One is Gabi After Hours and uh, huge following. Awesome, awesome content there. Uh, True Faith TV is another one. His talks, his content is not only inspiring, it's powerful, it's edifying, it's challenging. Uh, it's just really, really good. So check them out. We're going to link to them, of course, on our social feeds. Uh, Gabi After Hours, True Faith TV. But uh, we're very grateful for you to be in. We're we're trying to make some uh, some effort to address the Catholics that seem to not understand, reject and or not understand church teaching on the Holy Eucharist. And so we spent the concerning us section sort of diving into that. But we wanted to go a step further, and it's not just the plain, okay, well, here's what the church teaches, right. but there's reasons behind. Right. Yes. There's something greater. There's something deeper. Like, I used to get caught up on apologetics yes. all the time, and th- that only takes you so far. Exactly. You need that deeper, greater, more uh, edifying um, sort of understanding. Right. Now, so the it, it's the month of the Sacred Heart, and so uh, and I agree with you because it's not just non-Catholics or Catholics who are lukewarm, but sometimes we have to examine ourselves and say, why am I not trying to make it to the chapel? Why am I hesitant Amen. to go to daily mass? So there is something much much deeper. And you, you mentioned the Sacred Heart it being the month of the Sacred Heart, and we have Sacred Hearts in our homes. We have a co-cathedral of the Sacred Heart here. You've got a statue of the Sacred Heart there, and a lot of times the message of the Sacred Heart is lost and people will just say oh it it represents how much god loves us and that's true but the core message of jesus to saint margaret mary alacoque wasn't just about how much god loves us it was really a eucharistic message Mm. so he showed her saint margaret mary in the late 1600s he he showed her his heart and he did say this is a sign of my love for men it's on fire it's consumed and it's crowned with thorns 
But why is it crowned with thorns is the question. So the heart of Jesus represents the most holy Eucharist. When a man says, I give you my heart, that's a sign saying, I give you everything. I give you my all. I give you the very core heart of who I am. And so he was saying, my heart is wounded. I am suffering now in the Eucharist more than I even suffered during my passion. Mm. And she was shocked at this because how could you, how could in the Eucharist you be suffering? Remember, this is, this is pre-Vatican II. So some people will say it's the fault of Vatican II. <laughs> Not necessarily because Jesus was yeah. complaining to St. Margaret Mary that it wasn't just the laity that was causing him the suffering, but even the clergy. Mm. And so he was saying that it's indifference. He loves men so much, but it's the indifference of Catholics. It's the indifference of clergy. It's the indifference of everybody and sacrilege as well that was taking place that was causing his heart to be so wounded. Yeah, and they were talking France here. And In France, that's the eldest daughter of the church. Which is a hot mess right now. Yes. And what's interesting about this is he brought this devotion to St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, and he commanded her to go tell the king. Yes. And the king's job was to perpetuate this devotion across France, yes. because what was coming next was the French Revolution. Yes. Only he didn't do it. Yes. And it led to uh, to a king having his head lopped off and a uh, day late and a dollar short. Yes. And the French Revolution has really impacted uh, the rest of history. Now, I want to make one final point about the Sacred Heart. If you, ha- I'm holding up an image of the Sacred Heart and there's actually a white circle around it to represent that it's Jesus in the Eucharist that, that's being wounded. Mm. But I would encourage everybody, if you have an image of the Sacred Heart, just think of it for half a second and imagine that for the time going forward from this point on, you seeing that image of the Sacred Heart, see that as an invitation of Jesus Christ to love him more in the Most Holy Eucharist. Mm. Now, I, I do think that the faith in the, in the late 1600s was significantly higher than the amount of faith that we have today. So Jesus was complaining, but the numbers were probably extraordinarily lower than the amount of lack of faith that we have going on today. And I think that most Catholics want to love God as much as possible. And so many people are just blind to this. And there's a very important Latin axiom, and that's lex orandi, lex credendi. Our habits, we want to be faithful, but our habits sometimes can get in the way of that. So I, what I would like to do in, in a moment is take a look at some of the habits that we have that whether we realize it or not are impacting our faith. Because we're a mixture of a body and a soul united, we are one. What we do with our bodies impacts what we believe. And sometimes, and I know many Catholics, when you question their actions or how they're expressing their love for God, they get very offended. And they say, I've been doing this for the past 30 years. A nun taught me or my catechist taught me. Very good. Question everything. Is is what I'm doing the right thing? Is what I'm doing the best way to love God? Is what I'm doing reflecting my theology? So lex orandi, lex credendi. The law of prayer is the law of faith. How you pray impacts what you believe. Mm. If you pray like Jesus is really present, that will impact what you believe, that you will start to believe that Jesus is really present, and then that will result in lex vivendi, how I live. So we don't see Eucharistic miracles like the saints had and all these mystical experiences, not just because God is withholding his hand. God loves us. God wants us to be nourished in the most holy Eucharist. But what's happening is that we're not praying enough like it. Yes, sir. Hold that thought. That music means we are about to go to a break. 
We're going to come back with Gabriel Castillo from Gabi After Hours and True Faith TV. We're going to be talking about these habits, about the Holy Eucharist and the Sacred Heart of Christ, all that coming up right after this very short break. Do us a favor. In the meantime, smash that share button, like button, and uh, subscribe if you're hanging out on live streams. If on radio, tell a friend. We'll be right back. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. It's a myth that there's a perfect way to be a parent. The reality is that every family, every couple, every child is different. But when parents work together, they can figure it out. We have 10 kids of our own, so we know this path is not an easy one. We used to think that it was our job to make our children into saints. Now we realize that it's their job to make us into saints. This parenting thing is full of dying to self, hardships that are both physical and emotional. Parenting makes you more aware of your sinfulness and weakness, more than almost anything else you will ever do. But this is exactly where God wants us, so he can shower us with his mercy and love. God doesn't love us in spite of our humanity. He loves us because of it. Parenting is our path to holiness. And as we change and mature, we will be better parents. We may even become saints. To get more advice and encouragement, visit us at MessyFamilyProject.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects homebuyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean, so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Um, Gabriel Castillo is our guest. Gabby After Hours is his YouTube channel. So is True Faith TV. Great, great content. You need to check that out if you haven't done so already. Share it with friends and family. It is really, really good stuff. It's super shareable, too. Uh, compelling, challenging, beautiful, and edifying. Uh, Gabby After Hours on YouTube and True Faith TV. Check it out. Uh, Gabe, it's great to have you back with us. So we're talking Lex Ronde, Lex Credendi, and so we're talking about our habits. Uh, so we need to get your mic turned on, but how do those habits help us to grow in intimacy with the Lord? So our habits impact our belief. And what I want to, before we get into what specific habits, so that you'll know why I'm suggesting these habits, we need to just briefly make a quick rundown of what we actually believe. And I would encourage everybody listening, if anything, if any of the habits I'm giving to you seem challenging, I would recommend that you Google during your lunch break or whenever you have a free moment, Google Council of Trent canons on the Most Holy Eucharist. Why am I suggesting that? Because at the Council of Trent, the, the church in its clearest form put forth exactly in the most precise language what is it that we believe the Most Holy Eucharist is? And when you're going to find out is that it's not a what, it's a person. Now, I'm not going to go through each of the canons of the Council of Trent and read them because that does not make for good radio, especially because they're written in such precise language. Yeah. But I want to bring up to you the first three canons, just briefly give you a quick summary of what they, what they say. Canon number one, and these are things that Catholics must believe, mm. or you're not a Catholic. It, it, the, each of the canons ends with, anybody who does not believe this, let him be anathema, which is basically let him be, let him be damned with all the angels and all the demons of hell. 
So that's how important this information is. Wow. And any priest, any deacon, any catechist who does not teach this properly, if they're doing it knowingly and willingly, is outside of the Catholic Church. That's crazy to think of. But I think most people are, are teaching this, they're subverting the faith unknowingly. Right. So it's important to check these out. So canon number one says, that, and I'm giving you the summary, that Jesus is, and uh, Joe already said this, really, he's truly, and he's substantially. I've heard catechists just say, Jesus is sacramentally present. And it's true, but that doesn't get to the heart of the language. Is Gabriel in this studio? He's really here. Mm-hmm. Oh, is he on Zoom? No, he's truly here. Oh, is he on the internet? No, he's substantially here. He's right here. Oh, yeah. he's kind of here. He's No, I'm here in my body and in my blood and in my soul and my humanity, but Christ's divinity. And so the, the canon says, subsequently, it's the whole Christ. The second canon talks about transubstantiation. It's not a change in form. It's a change in the substance. So we have to be careful of what we say, especially to our children. Oh, did you receive the bread? Did you receive the wine? How come Father didn't offer us the wine? There's... There's no more wine present. Right. Yeah. There's no more bread present. Don't use that language after the consecration. Say the body of Christ, the blood of Christ. Even better say, Jesus. Did you receive Jesus today at Mass? So that language is very important. And thirdly, this is the one that I actually am going to read. It's one sentence long, and it's the one that the devil is attacking us the most. And I believe it's at the core, the heart, of what we are failing with in the church today. And and I think you're going to agree. This one, I'm going to read it just once, so pay close attention. Ears up. If anyone denies that in the venerable sacrament of the Eucharist, the whole Christ is contained, we got that part, we know that part, this is the part where Catholics are, are lost, under each species, that means under what looks to my eyes is bread, mm-hmm. and what looks to my eyes is Christ, the whole Christ is there, even if I'm, uh, it looks like one drop of wine, it goes on. Under every part of each species, when separated, the whole Christ is present. If you don't believe that, let him be anathema. So let me quickly translate. That means if I have just what looks to my human eyes as one crumb of bread, I have the whole Christ present. Yeah. It's a person. If I have just what looks like one little drop of the precious blood, the whole Christ is present. So how has this impacted us recently in modern times? When the priest comes to me and, and he's giving under communion under both species, mm-hmm. which is a very new thing. It's only happened in the past 40 to 50 years. He tells me the body of Christ. And then I go to the, the Eucharistic minister who's distributing the precious blood. And he says the blood of Christ. Now I'm thinking, if, I'm, if I have no good catechesis, I'm thinking this is flesh. This is liquid blood. I have two things here that are very holy. When the reality is I have a person here and I have a person here. Right. And then, so that's one issue that we need to get through our minds. That's a relatively new thing that we have to develop with. Also, the common practice of communion in the hand. I was taught communion in the hand growing up. Most catechists teach it because they think tongues are dirty and yucky or whatever. I don't know why they do it. (laughs) But when we receive in the hand, there are sacred particles who the church teaches us are really Christ who's present. And so if I'm not taught reverence for the sacred species and I'm receiving our Lord in a common manner, then that's going to impact my faith. So all of the habits that I want, and, and there's more canons that yeah. go on to say that these these particles should be reverenced, that yeah. we should be giving even a particle, latria, which is a worship due to God. So the Be- habits that we have impact our well, beliefs. Before you get into yes. those, can I just share with you, I, I, I have like PTSD when it yes. comes to distribution of Holy Communion. Yes. I've seen too many times... Uh, uh, there was a, an occasion many years ago at a daily mass 
when I was receiving, and I, I wanted to receive on my tongue. Yes. And I stuck my tongue out, but I didn't stick it out far enough. Oh, wow. And this poor priest was trying to uh, place uh, uh, the <laughs> to place Jesus on my I'm struggling with my own words. Sure. Place Jesus on my tongue, and he didn't want to touch my tongue. Right. And so he, I was afraid the Lord was going to drop. Yes. So I raised my hand to brace, and I hit the ciborium. Ooh, so sorry. And I, I caused Jesus to fall all over the floor. Yes. I was so devastated by that. Yes. And every time after that, that I witnessed a host fall to the floor or the carelessness uh, at the altar of handling yes. our Lord. All very important. The anxiety in me goes yes. skyrocketing. And there was uh, maybe a two year, year and a half ago, we were at a, a parish at mass and uh, a poor extraordinary minister of Holy Communion, a woman carrying the precious blood of Jesus fell off the stairs. Wow. And and it went everywhere. Right. I I almost I almost laid on top of it because there were people walking by and yes. stepping on the blood. Right. Yes, that happens. I've and they seen were like, that. "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm not moving right. until someone deals with this properly." Right. I mean, it just creates so much anxiety. And just in, to see in it. like your situation, you did that through no fault of your own, and of course, because it was an accident. It our was Lord so knows. Our Lord's not gonna. Yeah. So I don't want people to become overly scrupulous but at the same time you need to be a little bit scrupulous yeah you need to be careful here yeah the priest came i was bawling dude it was so hard it was that was a rough time Uh, 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 i've heard somebody give the analogy if you had a handful of diamonds would you just let them fall to the ground of course not you'd go and pick them up well in the most holy eucharist we have something far more powerful than diamonds far more precious than gold Mm -hmm. we have the god of the universe and a couple of habits. So you mentioned the patent, the communion patent in the ciborium. Yeah. So believe it or not, there's a document put out by the church recently. I say recently because the church moves slowly. But in the year, in the two, early 2000s called Redem Shonis Sacramentum. And it says that the patent that the priest, that the altar boy holds underneath the chin of the communicant should be retained and should be used. Mm. This is a novus ordo, a new mass type of thing that is not being done, I would say, in 99% of parishes. So if you were asked your priest. So priest, we're not talking rad trad stuff I'm not here. talking rad trad stuff. This is something yeah. that the church continues to request from its members and it's just not being done and you have to ask why not yeah. i don't know it, it, please get them they're only 35 45 dollars right and they, they go a long way yeah. to speak the language of the importance of the most holy eucharist yeah yeah the habits uh, they, they say a lot about what we believe yes so anything that we do that is common to ordinary bread we should not do in the most holy eucharist so for example i would encourage people to if you have only received in the hand one, if you're going to continue receiving in your hand, check to make sure that there are no sacred particles left. And if there are, lick your finger or lick your hand to make sure that they're taken up. But even more so, I would encourage you to try the time-honored and universal norm of the church, which is to receive Holy Communion on the tongue. That does two things. One, it takes the burden of checking your hands off of you. And two, it says with the language of the body, this is not ordinary bread. Next, if you have the ability to kneel, I would encourage you to try kneeling down. Of course, this is the time-honored custom that's been done for centuries and centuries and centuries. And again, with the language of the body, it says, this is not ordinary bread that I am receiving. It says that to yourself. It says that to the sacred minister. It says that to every single person who walks through that door. In addition to that, I would encourage you to arrive to Mass early, 10 minutes early, to mentally prepare yourself to receive the God of the universe. When we walk into church late, our mind is on the 
500 things that we have going on outside of the church doors. Make that extra effort to pray to the tabernacle, to pray to our Lord hidden in the tabernacle. Mm. I would encourage you also to make at least one visit to the Blessed Sacrament a week, a holy hour, so that our Lord can, because we forget, and, and there's reasons why we don't make visits to the Blessed Sacrament. We forget that the God of the universe, who's all-powerful, who created me for himself, who has the ability to change you know, water into wine, to work miracles, to rise as a dead, is sitting in the tabernacle, and his heart is burning on fire out of love for me, and I have a, so I have a God who's all powerful and I have a God who's all loving, who's waiting to bestow his graces upon me and I don't even visit him. I like to think of our Lord as a jealous lover, but not in a, in a vice type of way where he thinks about us all day long. He longs for us all day long. He just wants to be with us. He wants to be united with us so deeply that he was willing to be beaten and scourged and even suffer now more in the Eucharist just so that we could be with him. We should make an effort, at least briefly, to visit him. The great Saint John Bosco, the patron saint of the youth, would say, frequent visits to the Blessed Sacrament. He didn't say long visits. He said just simply making frequent visits to the Blessed Sacrament has the power to turn ordinary men into saints. He would say, do you want many graces? Do you want many miracles? Visit Jesus often. If you don't want many miracles, you don't want many graces, don't visit Jesus very often. Wow, that's uh, that's some great stuff right there. Get to Mass early, I think it's one of the uh, yes. easiest things we could be yes. doing, right? Uh, going to uh, maybe a, a Mass once a week or, or just a holy hour once a week. That's maybe a little trickier, but still but doable. Make, make it a goal. Make, yeah, it, make a goal. it a goal. All right, praise be to God. Gabriel Castillo, Gabi After Hours and TrueFaith.TV. God love you. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We're very grateful to you. Congratulations again on your it's baby. It's an honor to be here. Anytime you ask me, I, I've not turned you down, and I don't think I ever will. All right. Praise be to God. All right. That's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. If you can join us in the second hour, we're going to do our game show, and prizes are involved. Praise be to God. And you could be that contestant at 877-757-9424. But when we come back, we're going to have a lot more Catholic Drive Time headed your way. Hang out with us online at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. I have a friend who says that baptism is a symbolic act and that it has nothing to do with salvation. How can I answer him? Simple. Show him what the Bible says. Nowhere does the Bible say that baptism is merely a symbolic act. That passage simply does not exist. But the Bible does say this about baptism. In Ezekiel 36, verses 25 to 27, it says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will put my spirit within you. Here in the Old Testament, we have a foreshadowing of New Testament baptism. In the New Testament, Acts 2, verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. No symbolic language here. The book of Acts says, Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Ezekiel says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from your uncleannesses. The book of Acts says, And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
Ezekiel says, and I will put my spirit within you. Do you begin to see how God in the old covenant was preparing us for what he gives us in the new covenant? Acts 22, 16, and now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. What body was that? The body of Christ. 1 Peter 3, 21, baptism which corresponds to this now saves you. Scripture simply does not support the non-Catholic notion that baptism is symbolic. Scripture does, however, very clearly and directly support the Catholic teaching that baptism saves us, that baptism makes us members of the body of Christ, that baptism washes away sin, and that through baptism we receive the Holy Spirit just as the church teaches. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. GloryandShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryandShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryandShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryandShine.com. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It is great to be on with you. Good morning. Praise be to God going to be a beautiful day. I don't know where you are at and what the weather's like there, but God is so very good. And we just wrapped up a, a great conversation with Gabriel Castillo. He is he is a fireball for the Lord and for Our Lady. Just incredible. Uh, if you have never checked out his, his YouTube channel, I'd be surprised if that's true, but check it out. Gabby After Hours, True Faith TV. We're going to post that conversation. He talked about the Sacred Heart of Jesus, the Holy Eucharist, what the Church actually teaches about the Eucharist, and how our habits can help us to grow in intimacy with the Lord and, uh, and appreciation and, uh, and to really embrace what the Church teaches on the Holy Eucharist. Great conversation. We'll be posting that to Facebook and YouTube and, and all of our social feeds later today. You can find them all linked up on our website and even hang out and uh, chat with us over on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Wasn't that great, Janelle? That was amazing. Yeah, praise I'm, be to God. I'm so glad I, I work here because I get to hear amazing speakers like him like, almost every day. Yeah. And it's so cool that he's like only like three feet away from me. That's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is, he is a fireball for sure. He is uh, truly amazing. He delivers every time, let's just say. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Yes, they. Uh, I'm a deli- you know speaking of delivery, delivery boy, right? Here we go. <laughs> it's good to be here. <laughs> have no, you but, have you ever been a delivery boy? I'm just curious. no, no, never. never? No newspapers, nothing. Mm, no, my first job was I was working at a church uh, doing a cleaning, so I cleaned out the gutters and that kind of thing. My second job was working at a warehouse uh, and digging through uh, dirt and trash and plastic. It was it's great. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. So, all right. Praise well, be praise be to God. All, all the fun stuff. Yeah, we got to get Gabe on more often. He's, oh, yeah. He's just amazing. It's, it's wonderful. 
Uh, St. Teresa of Avila is here, too, hanging out. So if you're on YouTube and you're commenting, St. Teresa is in the studio with us. We'll be chatting with her during the after show. So make sure you give her a, a hello, howdy, hey, hello kind of thing. That'd be amazing. Don't forget, our game show is coming up, I don't know, 10 minutes from now. And uh, prizes are involved. And again, what's the prize this week, Janelle? The prize is from Delfina Rose Art. It's an 8 by 10 inch archival print on watercolor paper of your choice, along with a Catholic coloring book on the Mara- on the Marian apparitions, I believe. All right. Praise be to God. So uh, your chance to get in on the prize comes up and like I said, about 10 minutes from now. If you would like to call early and be on hold, well, that's uh, no problem. All you got to do is get the number, which you can find on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. The phone number's there. The rules are there. Plus, you can join our email list. And today, I'm going to send out an email. I didn't send out one last week because it was share But I'm going to send out one today. And I think the uh, the resource, I tend to give out resources every time I send the email and uh, these are way; these are just sources that are going to edify you, teach you something, you know, just uh, you know, inspire you, challenge you. Sometimes, well, I recorded, I narrated the seven letters of Saint Ignatius of Antioch, um, one ten A.D. on his way to being eaten by lions in Rome. Uh, he wrote seven epistles, and I I narrated those back in like two thousand and seven, and I'm going to send that as my resource today. And why? Because it is a powerful look at what Christians actually believed in the first century. I mean, powerful. This is a man who learned the Christian faith from the Apostle John, who stood at the foot of the cross, watched our Lord and Savior die, and received his mother into his home on that very day. So uh, it's a pretty insightful look into the, what the church teaches. And these letters are just powerful. His... his uh, you know, his mentions of the Holy Eucharist being the actual flesh of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, going to confession first, even talking about Our Lady. It's just powerful, and you're going to be blown away by that. So I'll send that out later today. If you want to get in on that and you're not on our email list, well, go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Scroll down, and you can sign up for that email list. You'll also get a free talk from Father Bill Casey. It'll happen right away in your inbox, and that is a 30-minute talk. It's really good. You're going to enjoy that quite a bit. And then later today, I'll send uh, my email with the resources. So grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And thank you, everybody who is a subscriber to our email list. You guys are the insiders, and we're so very grateful to you. All right, let's pray and dive into the headlines, the gospel, and the saint of the day as well. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. O most sacred heart of Jesus, pour down thy blessings abundantly upon thy church, upon the Supreme Pontiff, and upon all the clergy. Give perseverance to the just, convert sinners, enlighten unbelievers, bless our parents, friends, and benefactors, help the dying, free the souls from purgatory, and extend over all hearts the sweet empire of thy love. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the good news with Janelle Lay. Good news, good news, good news. Pornography producer sentenced to 20 years for sex trafficking. From Students for Life, Fight for Faith, Fight for Life rallies to launch in seven cities calling on Catholic bishops to stand firm, defend children from abortion violence. Ahead of this week's gathering of the U.S. Catholic bishops, Students for Life of America President Kristen Hawkins announced seven rallies Wednesday across the country in locations where American Catholic bishops lead the church. 
calling them to stand firm and fight for faith as they consider the impact of Catholics who claim to be faithful but reject church teaching with their politics and rhetoric. The bishops are to meet starting Wednesday to discuss the disconnect between church teachings and those who claim to be faithful followers, asking what to teach about communion of being given to pro-abortion politicians who political agendas undermine and oppose church teaching on the pre-born. But this isn't just a Catholic problem. Hawkins, a Catholic convert, joined with Christy Hamrick, a Protestant, and SLF, sorry, SFLA, SFLA Action Chief Media and Policy Strategist in an opt-ed set for Tuesday on Washington Times discusses why this matters. They wrote, Working every day with women considering abortion, we've seen firsthand the conflicts it causes when people can't look to the leaders of their church for clear guidance on spiritual principles. When any church fails to lead on the moral issues of our day, other voices become loud and drown out the still small voice of our conscience. The pretense that ending pre-born life is negotiable causes chaos and confusion and must not stand unchallenged by people of faith or their leaders. At studentsforlife.org forward slash faith, those who cannot attend the rallies in person are invited to participate in the campaign by sending a personal email to Archbishop Jose Gomez, current president of the USCCB, and printing tithing slips to leave in their church collection baskets sharing their concerns with their pastors. From Church Militant, MI Bishop protects the sacrament. Bishop Boya mandates application of Canon 915. The following statement was announced to the Diocese of Lansing, Michigan. In accordance with Canon 915 of the Code of Canon Law, any baptized Catholics who are obstinately pers persevering in manifest grave sin are not to be admitted to Holy Communion. The Diocese of Lansing therefore expects that pastors apply the salutatory principle consistently and compassionately across the parishes of the diocese, both for the good of souls and in order to avoid scandal. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a good Thursday. The saint of the day is St. Teresa of Portugal. She was born on the 14th of October in 1178 in Coimbra, Portugal. She was born a princess, the oldest daughter of King Sancho I, and married to King Alfonso IX of Leon, Spain. Northern Portugal formed a part, part of her dowry. She was the mother of three children, and several years into the marriage, it was dissolved by the Vatican upon the revelation that Teresa and Alfonso were cousins. Single again, Teresa returned to Portugal, where she converted the Benedictine monastery at Lorveo into a convent for 300 Cistercian nuns. Teresa then moved into the convent, though she did not take vows. In 1231, she left to settle a bitter secession dispute between her children over the throne of Lyon. With peace between them, she returned to the convent, took vows, and remained there as a nun for the rest of her life. She died on the 18th of June, 1250, at Lorveo Abbey in Portugal of Natural Causes. She was canonized on the 20th of May in 1705 by Pope Clement XI. St. Teresa of Portugal, pray for us. Praise be to Jesus in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 15. Jesus said to his disciples, In praying, do not babble like the pagans who think that they will be heard because of their many words, do not be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. 
This is how you are to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your transgressions. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in the last uh, last hour, we dive deep into, you know, looking at the this passage, especially focusing on that that one verse about our daily bread. As Saint Jerome would say, it's super substantial. The epiousios Greek word there meaning it's excellent, more excellent than all creatures. The very body of our Lord. In many of the early church fathers said it should be received daily, which is why it says our daily bread. In other words, they saw this as the Eucharist, not just some bread we buy at the grocery store and, and fill our bodies with, but the Holy Eucharist, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, in fact. Um, but I want to just read this one passage. I'm going to kick it over to Adrian. And this is, again, from St. Ignatius. I'm going to be sending this my recordings of his epistles out today. And I want to give you this, if you're just joining us this hour. St. Ignatius, 110 AD, says, Heretics, they abstain from the Eucharist and from prayer because they confess not the Eucharist to be the flesh of of our Savior Jesus Christ, which suffered for our sins, and which the Father of His goodness raised Him up again. That's 110 AD. This is the guy who learned the faith from John the Apostle, 110 AD, and he is saying that the heretics deny what the church actually teaches about the Eucharist, that it's the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Adrian, what did you find? So, I wanted to focus in on, and lead us not into temptation. Now, this is a very important passage because this is in much dispute in the, our current time. Uh, there was a change in the translation in the Italian um, to do not, uh, I forget the, what they translated to, but this is a very important passage because people say, okay, well, this is saying that our, that God is leading us into temptation and God can't lead us into temptation. He wouldn't do that. Um, and so people are very confused by this passage, by our, the Our Father, this, this very phrase. What does St. Thomas say about it? Well, St. Thomas and his commentary on the Our Father, which I highly recommend to look up. It's an excellent uh, explanation of the Our Father. He goes line by line explaining the Our Father. And on the passage on uh, Lead Us Not to Temptation, he said, Regarding the first, it must be known that to tempt is nothing other than to test or to prove. To tempt a man is to test or try his virtue. And then he goes on to talk about how our Lord did this, did this to his, he says, God tempted Abraham in this way and Job also. For this reason, God frequently sends trials to the just. Now, people say, oh, but what about whenever people are tempted and to do evil? They, they fall into sin. Does God cause us to sin? Well, Thomas explains that too. He says, as to the second, the virtue of man is tried by solicitation to evil. If he truly resists and does not give his consent, then his virtue is great. If, however, he falls before the temptation, he is devoid of virtue and God tempts no man in this way. God is not a tempter of evils and he tempteth no man. So we have to understand what is said here uh, by lead us not to temptation. We do not desire that God, because God does not lead us to evil. 
He cannot lead us to evil because God is good. But he does, in fact, test us. He does test us by trials in our lives. St. Thomas says at the end of his uh, section on lead us not to temptation, he says, but God leads, uh, but, but does God lead one to evil that he should pray lead us not into temptation? I reply that God is said to lead a person into evil by permitting him to the extent that because of his many sins, he withdraws his grace from man. And as a result of this withdrawal, man does fall into sin. Therefore, we sing in the psalm, when my strength shall fail, do not thou forsake me. So here he, St. Thomas explains that, yes, in a sense, by, by privation, by lack, not giving them the grace sufficient to overcome it, the people may fall into temptation, may fall into sin. And in that sense, God can be said to have done this. All right, it's time to play the game. Praise be to God. Thank you, Veraboom.com forward slash GRN for sponsoring our program in the Gospel Reflection. We're very grateful. Veraboom.com forward slash GRN. But we're going to go to break. We're going to come back, and it's uh, time for fear and trembling. That phone number is wide open now. You can call and become our contestant for today at 877-757-9424. You don't even need to know the answers to win this game. It's that easy at 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Call right now. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Fear and Trembling is up next. Blessed John Paul II once said, As the family goes, so goes the nation, and so goes the whole world in which we live. How easy it is to point fingers and place blame for the mess in which our society has found itself. But stop just for a minute and ask, what have I done to make it better? Is my family doing anything to improve the world? Possibly the most effective thing a family can do for society is pray together regularly. Pray for our president every single day. Pray for all our government leaders, our bishops and priests, our teachers, our military, our business owners. Create a list of family petitions. If the teenager puts an anonymous prayer request on the list, let it be anonymous. Prayer is our greatest weapon to change the nation and the world. Remember what Father Patrick Payton said, the family that prays together stays together. This has been a minute for your marriage and family with Balanced Families Ministries. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. She's having a relationship with George. It's disgusting. It's dis- Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the app store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation 
by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we like to do some things, but uh, let me just say that this is secret and hidden information, and you should not be sharing this publicly, okay? So keep this just between the two of us. But one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for questions that might be teachable moments, because we always learn something we did not know before, and that's a good thing. We like to have a laugh in the process, and our contestants tend to be a lot of fun and laugh right along with us, and praise be to God for that. But of course, we also like to give out prizes. And that makes it a winner for everybody involved. But in case you are just joining us and you have no idea what I'm talking about, let me explain things. I have three Catholic trivia questions in my hand. These are legit, official uh, Catholic trivia questions. But I do not ask the caller these questions, so they don't even need to know the answers in order to still win the game. Instead, I will ask Janelle and I'll ask Adrian. One of them will be right and the other will be wrong. And the caller will have 15 seconds to make a decision. Who do they trust more, Janelle or Adrian? And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Janelle, what are they going to win? Ooh, they could win an 8 by 10 archival print of their choice on watercolor paper and a new printable Marian consecration coloring book. But not just that person's going to be the winner. Everyone's a winner with her 10% off discount with the code DRIVETIME, valid in her Etsy shop at delfinaroseart.etsy.com through June 18th. No minimum order. And she also offers free domestic shipping on orders over $35. All right. Thank you, Delfina Rose Art over on Etsy. We're very grateful to you, Delfina Rose Art. God bless you and God love you uh, for sponsoring our program. All right. We are going to jump to the calls now, so uh, thank you for those that tried to call in. Tomorrow you get three more chances, so if you don't get on today, try calling back tomorrow. Bob, good morning to you. Thanks for being a part of our show. Thank you. Good morning to you guys. Now, Bob, where are you calling from? Castroville. I'm familiar with that place. I've been there on several occasions. I I pass through there at least once a year, sometimes twice. It's a great, peaceful part of Texas. Praise be to God. Uh, have, have you seen the movie News of the West or News News of the World with uh, no, Tom Hanks? Have not yet. Castorville. Castorville is, is in there. Yeah, Castorville of all places is in that film. Who knew? Who knew? Yeah. Praise be to God. Now, Bob, are you familiar with the game? Do you do you understand how how the game is played? I've been studying for like two or three years for this game, so <laughs> I got it. You're going to nail this. But you do realize that Janelle and Adrian are tricky people, and they might try to fool you. you got to be listening very intently. Gotcha. Uh, but I, however, I am on your side in this game. So uh, let's see if we can get you in that coffee cup of divine providence. Are you ready, sir? I am ready. All right, Janelle, we will start with you, as is our custom. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes, I am. Are you sure? Yes, I am. Janelle, can you tell me, what famous Catholic wrote Canterbury Tales? Canterbury Tales? Is that that English um, book? Sure, why not? All right. Hmm, I'm going to go with Geoffrey Chaucer. What was that again? Geoffrey Chaucer. Geoffrey Chaucer. Hmm, okay. Is that how you say it? Sure, why not? <laughs> I agree. 
Go for it. Let's see what Adrian has to say, though. Sounds a- like a made-up name. <laughs> Adrian, can you tell me what famous Catholic wrote the Canterbury Tales? That would be Miguel de Cervantes. One more time. Miguel de Cervantes. Is that how you say that? Yes. Okay. Okay. And which which is not a made-up name, unlike whatever Janelle said. I have no idea what she said. Jeffrey Chaucer. You think I have no idea what you said. Totally <laughs> fake news. Is that what you just said? All right. So Adrian is on the hook for Miguel de Cervantes. And uh, and Emily, or forgive me, <laughs> I did it again. Janelle is on the hook for Jeffrey Chaucer. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Bob, what say you? Um, I'd say when you have a hard time pronouncing the person's name, that's probably the right answer. So I'm going to go with Janelle. Survey says. Wow. wow. That is clever. Well that was well genius. Genius level 10. Yeah, there. that was pretty incredible. Well, I think the fact that it's Canterbury Tales and an English name might have been a good hint, too. Uh, Miguel Cervantes <laughs> and, and Canterbury probably. It was a Catholic writer, though. What did he write? Yeah. Don Quixote de la Mancha. Yeah, oh. Don Quixote. Okay. Well done, Bob. Well done. Uh, you're in the coffee cup of divine providence. Praise be to God. You must feel good about that. I do. I do. Well, I think we can get you in there more than once, though. Um, I'm going to say this next question is fairly easy. I th- I'm pretty sure this is fairly easy, but we'll see how it goes. Adrian, we'll go with you this time. What is the name of the largest church on earth? The largest church on Earth. So I think that excludes Mars then, correct? Um, Yes, it does, in fact, exclude all planets, not Earth. Okay, so the aliens' churches don't count. Got it. True. Um, I'm going to go, in that case, I was going to go with a different answer, but I think I'm going to go with St. Peter's Basilica instead. St. Peter's Basilica. Hmm. See, senor. Janelle, can you tell me what is the largest, largest church on Earth? On Earth? Ooh. The largest church I've ever been to is the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. I've been there. So I'm going to go with St. Martin Catholic Church in Warrington, Texas. What? Okay. <laughs> you, th- you threw me <laughs> out there. I mean, I'm so confused. <laughs> what just happened? Okay. I need you to make a choice. Yes. Okay. You got to pick one. I said I'm going to go with St. Martin Catholic Church in Warrington, Texas. And that's big- about is that bigger than the one in D.C.? The National Apparently. Shrine? Okay, okay. So your answer is St. Martin Catholic Church in Warrington, Texas. I've never been to that church. I have no idea. Me neither. I have I been, been to the shrine. I've never been to And I have either. been to St. Peter's Basilica. I guess wow. I have to go to this other place just to see. But let's see. Adrian is on the hook for St. Peter's Basilica. And uh, Janelle is on the hook for St. Martin Catholic Church in Warrington, Texas. Who knows? Uh, let's see. 15 seconds on the clock. Bob, what say you? Uh, I think Janelle got a little confused. Warrington has the largest flea market in the world. (laughs) (laughs) I think Adrian is correct. Survey says... (laughs) (laughs) Talk about non sequiturs. I'm going to choose uh, the church in Texas, uh, no. but let me talk about St. Saint, Saint Immaculate Conception Basilica. What? Now, okay, fun fact. Isn't this church in Warrington the smallest church Yes, it's the smallest church in the world. It's 18 by 14 feet. Oh, that's yeah. so you were, See, I told you, I, I try to warn the audience of the trickiness of, of Janelle and Adrian, and I think this is a prime <laughs> example. Now, you know what's interesting? 
I the St. Peter's Basilica in comparison to the Hagia Sophia when it used to be a church. I wonder if the Hagia Sophia is bigger. No way. No way. No way. I don't know. I have to look that up, I guess. We'll see. But Bob, you're in there twice. You're smart. You you smell you smell the trickiness right ahead of time. I'm very proud of you. But let's go with the third question here. Back to Janelle. How many crossbars? How many crossbars? Does the papal cross have? Five. 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 There are five crossbars That's on the papal cross. That's a symbolic number of something. Yes. Okay. Wounds of Christ. Ah, My I fingers. see. Let's, uh, Adrian, can you tell me how many crossbars does the papal cross have? Three. You're sure? Three. That's, that symbolic of something? Ah, Trinity. Trinity? Yep. So we, you're telling me we have to choose between Trinity and the wounds of Christ? Yep, yep. Wow. No pressure. No pressure. Easy All right. peasy. Adrian's on the hook for three crossbars on the papal cross. And Janelle is on the hook for... Five. No. Backwards. Yeah, Janelle's, Janelle's, on, Janelle's on for three. No, no, no. Janelle's on for five, and I'm on for three. <laughs> what am I on for? I have no idea. I'm just confusing Nap everybody. <laughs> Nap time, I guess. Janelle, five. Adrian, three. How many crossbars the papal cross have? Bob, what say you? Uh... Since Joe, you're confused about this, could I just get the right answer and then? <laughs> uh, you got to you got to choose three or five, three or five. Uh, a wild guess, uh, Adrian. Survey says. There you go. You wow. nailed it. Through all of that confusion. All of that confusion. You still got it. Three for three. Perfect score. Perfect score, Bob. Wow. You really uh, have been studying. Good for you. Bob, that's incredible. Yeah. Well, praise be to God. One quick question. You got about 30 seconds. Okay. Uh, was St. Lawrence the saint that was uh, burned on the spit? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know what uh, St. Peter told him when he made it to heaven? What's that? <laughs> I'm afraid. Told him. Well, well I'm afraid. done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, God, that's great, Bob. God bless you. God love you. I'm going to put you on hold so we get your phone number in case it be God's will that you get the prize this week. But uh, thank you for playing the game with us. We're grateful to you. All right. Loved it. All right. That's going to do it for the radio side. That was a lot of fun. Praise be to Jesus. What's coming up next is the Holy Mass. Please keep us in your prayers or come hang out with us in the after show on the live video stream, YouTube, Facebook, or our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you and God bless you. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to God. Welcome to the after show of uh, Catholic Drive Time. Praise be to God. Uh, where we talk a little bit more casually about whatever it is you would like to talk about. Uh, and we like to interact with you. So please do us a favor. 
excuse me, and comment on uh, on where you're from, how you're listening, maybe. If this is the first time you've ever listened, we want to give you some special first-time commenter love. Praise be to God. And then, of course, if there's anything on your mind that you want to chat about, make sure you leave that as well. Praise be to Jesus. And we will be uh, commenting on your comments. Commenting uh, on comments. It's kind of meta. Commenting. Pretty meta. It's very, it's very meta. Uh, but let me just thank some folks uh, for hanging out with us. Of course, St. Teresa Avila commenting on YouTube. She's hanging out with us in the studio lately. Uh, been coming in, helping out. She's been answering the phones, doing some of the video switching, commenting and all that. We're very grateful to her. Uh, Anna for being here. So, uh, so make sure you give her a, a howdy, hey, hello, or whatever. Uh, Eric Rodriguez, good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out again. Praise be to God. Mike K, it's always good to see you. Tammy, hey, of course. Like my Spanish. Dan, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Thanks for commenting and hanging out with us today. Uh, see, Cal- Clarissa, Charles, uh, thanks for, for being w- with us today. Praise be to Jesus. Is that 93 again? Where? Uh, on YouTube? No. Who is that? Um, I don't know their name, but they've been here. Many yes, times. I know, but yeah. I thought I couldn't remember. I can't remember their name. Uh, in Dens, what, uh, remind us of your actual name, um, or give us uh, give us the proper pronunciation of your YouTube handle. That could be also William Hemsworth. Praise be to God. Thanks for hanging out again today. Everybody, check out William Hems- Hemsworth's YouTube channel. By the way, uh, Mike K. I said that St. Peter's, of course, and then on the Facebook side. Jesus Robles. He likes my Spanish. Friend of the channel. Now, earlier when Gabe was on, he's like, three of my favorite uh, Catholic men are in the studio. And I thought, Adrian, Gabriel, who's the third one? I'm just just curious. Um, let's see who else. Patty, of course. She's talking about St. Michael behind me. Lord, yeah, there you go. Lori, good morning to you. Praise be to Jesus. Uh, who else is on Facebook side? Um, Maureen, Don, good morning to you. Gloria. Good morning to you, Joaquin. Luz, thanks for hanging out today. We're very grateful to you. Praise be to Jesus. What else is going on? What's going on, everybody? What are you all up to today? Let us know. Comment. Don Quixote de la Mancha. That's one of my favorite musicals is Man of La Mancha. Such a good musical. I highly recommend. There are some parts that are not appropriate for children, but it's not like gratuitous. It's just, uh, it's part of the, it's necessary for the story, but it's definitely not great for children to watch but it's a great musical it's the dress code musical. is not all that great either well the dress code is bad for the sake of there there's a scene where there's a well basically one of the major plot points of it is that a don quixote del mancha meets a prostitute and uh and treats her as if she's a lady as if she's a, a, a royalty and it, it ends up converting her um and because she's being treated like a human being for the first time in her life amen um and so because of that yeah she is dressed like a woman of ill repute because that's what she is in the movie uh, or in the musical uh so it's a little uh racy to, to look at uh but the story is wonderful it's a very catholic uh story and it's wonderful amen what else buddy kane and valerie Adret are here on the facebook side buddy kane good morning to you brother Praise be to God. How come I missed Buddy? How come I didn't see Buddy? Because oh, he just commented right now. Okay. And Mary Valerie just commented right now. Mary as well. Mary Barone Ooh, over on uh, over on Facebook side. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to Jesus. Well, I really messed up that last question. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> it's Catholic. What nap time is now. the deal going on? Come on, man. Come on, man. I know it, Mike. On, I did man. not know Orson Welles was working on his own version of Man of La Mancha. That's, I didn't know. I had no clue. Huh. Um, huh. 
Let's see, I was going to say something. What was it? What was it? What was it? You were going to say, um... Man. Yeah, exactly. I'm having about? that time all of a sudden. Like the show's over and the brain says, "Okay, we're done." Shuts off. The uh, that reminds me. <laughs> I was laughing after the show because I saw Bree Dale's tweet. Bree is a uh, she hosts Intersections. Yeah. On uh, Monday mornings at eight to nine a.m. Central Time, and she tweeted out, "Joe Biden is right to ask what the media does all day. It's definitely not critical reporting in investigative journalism." And I'm just like, oh, my goodness, wrecked. And she shared the uh, Biden saying, I'll take your questions as usual, folks. Uh, they gave me a list of people I'm supposed to call on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like he says it out loud. No, okay, but that blows right. my mind. Yes, we both know that it's rigged, rigged game. Yeah, okay, great. No but problem. You tell us. But we already knew that. But if you were the press secretary of the Biden administration, knowing how far down the road? Come on, man. The guy really is mentally. For, you know, he is in, in he's in a stage of dementia that's it's it's sad to see it play it on TV. Would not you also regulate this thing out of just charity's sake, if nothing else? I think I would. I I, just, I could not throw the guy to the wolves. I just couldn't do it. He threw himself to the wolves. Now, I agree with you. I mean, I th- it's good to see that the emperor has no clothes. I guess, but. Uh, all the same. It's just so sad to see it play it on national, international television. It's tragic. I wanted to go back to something we were talking about earlier in some of the comments, uh, especially over on YouTube side. Mike Kay, a uh, friend of the show here, uh, he was, we were talking about the Holy Eucharist and we're having a great conversation, Gabriel Castillo. He says, in a church led by bishops who have sold their mission to the government, are we shocked? That the laity feels that we can pick and choose what we believe. Abortion is up for discussion. What isn't? Mm. He says, in my personal dislike of the above, that when I returned to the church, I sought out the TLM, the traditional Latin mass. I love the church and that my Lord and God is physically present at the mass. He says, we are, we are a church adrift for now, but the Lord will right the ship as he always does. Amen. Amen. And he will. And he will. Amen. Um, and we get what we deserve, right? We get what we deserve, but it's definitely a tragic situation. We get good. Um, yeah, I. The, Dan was saying, you know, during uh, TLM's confessions are also during the mass, and mm-hmm. that's true. Praise be to God for that as well. In general, usually mm-hmm. diocesan uh, traditional masses don't because usually it's just one priest. Right. But if you go to a traditional community like Institute of Christ the King or anything like that. Usually they'll have a, a, the regular St. John Cantus. You'll have a whole community there. And so you'll have a couple priests or a priest in the confessional during Mass. If you go to a Dawson Latin Mass, usually the, that priest is the only one, say, offering Latin Mass, and he's going to be the only one taking care of that parish. Uh, so usually you won't have it there. So, Yeah, it's tragic all the way around to see the lack of actual clarity in teaching. I, I don't understand... You know, what could be so wrong with teaching what the church has taught and believed and held to, passed down from day one? And that was part of the reason why in the first hour in the What's Concerning Us, I went back to some of these early, and I only gave you a taste of it, not even not even an exhaustive look. I mean, just a taste of some of these early church resources of what the church believed. And, you know, for me, William Hensworth was saying, he says, I first read the St. Ignatius of Antioch quote about the Eucharist while attending a Baptist seminary. 
He says, it was like the Holy Spirit hitting me on the head with a frying pan. Yay and amen. <laughs> you know, for me, I, um, I, I became Catholic to get married to my wife, and that was the main reason. I, did not, I didn't join the church because I thought it was true. I, I was a Freemason, pretty much a, hedon at the t- a hedonistic person at the time, but she said I had to become Catholic, so I said, okay. And then I became Catholic. But I had a mystical encounter with Christ in 2002 that changed my life. And that put me on a wild ride where I started to read scripture every day and I was heavily influenced by Protestant sources, people, the neighbors, my family, Protestant radio. And uh, it would be through those sources that I began to question what the church taught. And so they were trying to take me out of the Catholic church and they came very close to that, by the way. And I remember having conversations with my Baptist neighbor, fallen away Catholic became Baptist neighbor. And he said, uh, you know, the, the, the death cookie thing, the whole Jack Chick tracks and all that. He and I would conversate about that all the time. And he was like, you got to leave that church. And I, I just remember saying, because I didn't know anything about anything, but I just remember saying, you know, when I'm sitting in this sanctuary, um, there's something different than when you go to a Protestant church. I had grown up in Protestant churches, Church of Christ mostly. So I know what it's like. You know, the, there's even to the ignorant like I was, just to sit in that room, Sit in a room of a Catholic church with a tabernacle where our Lord is present and sit in a, in a Protestant ch- empty church, there's a different feeling. You can feel it in, in, if you're listening carefully and intently to your soul, you can actually feel that difference. And I said, because of there's a difference there, because I feel something different, I'm not going to leave yet because I can't find that elsewhere. And that I went on this wild ride, but it was Alistair Begg, uh, a, a Scottish... Uh, Calvinist, anti-Catholic on Protestant radio, always railing against the Catholic Church. I mean, 99.9% of the time, he's always preaching against the Catholic Church. And it was him that influenced me to study the early church fathers, because he said Constantine corrupted the church and brought in all these Catholic ideals and in the early 300s. So I said, light bulb, ding, 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 I'll go back to the earliest sources and see what those Christians had to say, because clearly... There must be something from the early Christians. Surely they had something to say about what they believed, how they read scripture, how did they worship, all of that. They had to have an opinion. We have to have something from them. It just made sense. So I Googled it. At the time, it was like web crawler, and I web crawled it, and I found a website, and I began to read these documents. The first document I read, I made the decision I was going to read everything from the from uh, the first uh, documents after Holy Scripture until 300 AD, because I wanted to read this stuff before Constantine was ever even born, is really what I wanted. And... Uh, the Didache was the first thing I read, and it is a mind-blowing document, the Didache, mid-50s, mid-60s. It, it just depends on the scholar you look at, but it's a very ancient document, very early on in the church's life. And it, as I read today on the show, it adheres to the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist, and we're talking the earliest, or some of the earliest documents outside of sacred scripture. Ignatius of Antioch just blows me away. Uh, how clear, how awesome, how impressive, how to the point uh, he is about the actual church. He's the first one to give us the word Catholic as a descriptor of the church itself. And he does so in the letter to the Samaritans. He says, uh, do nothing outside of the church. For where the bishop is, like Christ, there is the Catholic church. 
That, I mean, this is first century A.D. From the man who learned the faith from the Apostle John who stood at the foot of the cross. It's pretty impressive stuff. And then you just keep going from there. You can read Justin the Martyr, who describes the Holy Mass in his second, or his first apology in the latter chapters of his first apology, which he wrote to the uh, emperor's son and to the uh, Roman Curia. One after the other, after the other, after the other. And it becomes super clear, and it became super clear to me. The early church was Catholic. The early church believed in the Holy Eucharist, in confession, sacra the sacraments, the priesthood, Our Lady, on and on and on and on. And it just became super clear to me. And then I had to give my fiat, my yes, to Christ and to his church. And I remember, do, I remember the day I did that, too. Uh, powerful stuff. Even though I still struggled. I still struggled with Our Lady. I still struggled with communion of the saints. I still was uh, convinced of the reality and the authenticity of the Catholic Church. I still had those struggles. And I remember saying, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And I grew in love for Our Lady. I grew in love for, for the communion of the saints. And what helped me along that path was Dr. Scott Hahn's First Comes Love. I mean, typology is obviously very awesome, and of course, A Father Who Keeps His Promises is one of his greatest books, in my opinion. Um, long since forgotten by most, but it is a fantastic book for typology and salvation history. But First Comes Love was an eye-opening book from the communion of the saints that Christ came to give us more than just himself. He came to give not only himself, but his own mother, his brothers and sisters, you know, the angels, the beatific vision is a family vision. It is not a singular me and my buddy Jesus vision. And, uh, and that was eye-opening to me. Uh, a very, and I embraced that wholeheartedly. Who's your favorite? Or I wonder how many people have read St. Ignatius of Antioch. Raise your hand if you've read Ignatius of Antioch. I'm curious. Adrian, have you read all of his epistles? All of them? No. They're uh, super short, too. They're not even that long. Read, they're, they're read several of them. Um, in college, uh, in the first specifically in ecclesiology, talk about a nation of Antioch's ecclesiology. But uh, Mike says, I had a thought about the opposition to the TLM. My church has three priests, FSSP. I think that many leaders believe those are men who would have entered the mainstream. They believe the traditional orders are stealing their priests. And, uh, you know, um, that may be true that they think that, but it's simply not true. A lot of these men. Will, would just have not entered the seminary. They would have been rooted out of the seminary, kicked out of the seminary. They would have um, just uh, missed their vocation, to be honest. Um, I know a lot of these guys who are very traditional, and yeah, maybe some of them would have uh, submarined through seminary, but it's not, it's not easy to submarine through seminary. It's very difficult, and really, that's why you get a lot of these diocesan um, traditional priests all being introverts, because you have to be introverted in order to survive as a traditional priest in the seminary. You have to keep your head down. You have to just go along to get along and uh, don't say anything. Don't have any outbursts. Don't speak your mind. Uh, keep it all in your head until you are ordained a priest. That's the only way to survive in a diocesan seminary in general. Uh, but we, uh, and, and if you're extroverted and you start expressing your views, start asking questions, and just asking questions, really, you don't even have to express that you believe things. 
uh, certain things, all you have to do is ask the wrong questions, and people will get upset, and you will be out of the seminary faster than you can uh, than you even realize. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think that it's probably true. They probably do have that mindset that they're probably thinking they are stealing seminarians from the mainstream, uh, but it's not true. Uh, not really. Maybe a, a, a few, but in reality, no, not really. Uh, going on my reading pile, Joe, starting to look like I am a hoarder on my side of the bed. That's funny. Uh, Don said, say Ignatius of Antioch is my companion saint for this year. I Amen. love getting to know him. Praise be to God. That's uh, awesome. Shout out to uh, to Father Dan uh, Ullman. Ulmer. Ulmer. Father Dan Ulmer of Buffalo. Great town, by the way. He recently ordained to the pre. He was recently ordained to the priesthood, and uh, Mary Barone had the privilege of being at his first Latin mass. Pretty Pretty cool. Cool. I remember when my friend Father uh, Mike Mullane was ordained to the priesthood. We went to his ordination mass. He is FSSP, so we were up in uh, Nebraska, and um, we had never really. We weren't traditional Catholics at the time, so. Uh, it was all kind of uh, very new to us and, and sort of foreign to us in many ways. Beautiful, ornate, incredibly awesome, holy mass uh, with all packed to the gills this place was. And it's the only time there was a concelebration in the TLM is between the bishop and the, those men being ordained. And then afterwards, you know, part of the, uh, the piety of, of this would be you would, you would receive the first blessing. And you would be able to kiss the hands of these these consecrated hands, like like a newborn baby from the womb. The you know you would you'd be have this opportunity to kiss these beautiful hands that would be able to uh, uh, say the holy mass and to uh, provide this incredible opportunity to receive communion uh, of our Lord and Savior Jesus. So it's just a wonderful, beautiful tradition. So hopefully, Mary, you also had that opportunity too to to uh, kiss his hands after after her, he was ordained and said his first Latin Mass. And you receive an indulgence if you receive a the priestly blessing of a newly ordained priest. And by newly ordained, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that counts for the first year of the ordination. So that first year, if you receive the priestly blessing from that priest, you receive an indulgence. And you receive an indulgence, at least you used to receive an indulgence. I don't know if the indulgence still stands now because the... Um, the politics changed the rules and laws on regarding indulgences, but uh, it used to be if you kiss the hands of a priest um, in general, but especially a newly ordained priest, you received an indulgence as well. Hey, is Don a brand new commenter? Don. Don, who said, uh, Don <coughs> Mondello, who says St. Ignatius of Antioch is my, you read this comment, Mike is my companion saint for this year. I love getting to know him. Is that a first time commenter? Um, I think it is. Might be. Yes. You know what that means? Yes. Amen. Praise be to God. Of course. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Don. Thank you for commenting for the first time. We're very grateful. We'd love to know where you're from. Let us know. Praise be to Jesus. We love our first-time commenters. So if you're a first-time commenter, make sure to let us know. Jeff Burrier, good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out with us today again. It's always good to see you. Uh, <laughs> so what is your reading pile, Mike? I'd like to know what's uh, what is in the reading pile there. What's uh, what's on your 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 table by the bed there? What are you what are you intending to read? I have books scattered all over the house. I have books in our in our chapel at the house. I have books next to the bed at the house. I have my library upstairs in my office. Uh, my kids are now poking through all my books and scattering them even further. It's like good grief. Someday, someday I'll have all the books sort of in one place, organized better. 
And uh, who knows? I probably I have some I, awesome I gems I've forgotten about. <laughs> you Why would you it. do that? Why not have a book everywhere you're, you're, yeah. you're, uh, because it's, where you are? Because cause I'm not, do that. I'm not doing justice to the book. This is the reality of big Catholic families, Mr. Joe. Uh, maybe. <laughs> Things maybe. will always be everywhere. My, my daughter outed me the other day. She's like, Dad, Dad, I found G.K. Chesterton in your library. I thought you said you did not like him. And I said, how did that get in there? <laughs> Who put G.K. Chesterton in my library? <laughs> Uh, she's now she's reading orthodoxy and she thinks he's hilarious i think adrian Fonse gets corrupt to my children he is uh, hilarious that's what i think he's hilarious he's witty <laughs> he's the king of paradoxes uh, they agree with you apparently they're, you're they're welcome <laughs> orthodoxy is excellent i was in thinking orthodoxy, more he wrote in orthodoxy terms of cease and he wasn't even catholic when he wrote orthodoxy uh it's actually surprising on how catholic orthodoxy is considering he wrote it before he was catholic it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, so. Jesus Robles. Oh, wait. First, Don says, uh, first, this first time commenting, but longtime listener, praise be to God, uh, says, I've also volunteered at the studio for oh, share-a-thons cool. in the past, and I'm on the email list. Love you all so much. Praise be to God, Don. We're very grateful to you. Thank Welcome you for doing that. Welcome to the comment team. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Robles, uh, she got you. She got you. You're not a you're not a GK Chesterton fan, right, Jesus? You're on my team, aren't you, buddy? You're like, no, come on. GK Chesterton way wrote one of the best biographies on Saint Thomas Aquinas. Really? So Jesus Robles is required to like him. So you're re- you're required to like him, apparently. Oh, I, I do <laughs> like him already. So there's no no need for a requirement. Obligatory, like for JK uh, Chesterton. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I have books everywhere too. I have. Uh, I'm reading, uh, rereading actually, uh, Edward Fazer's book on uh, "By Man Shall His Blood Be Shed: A Catholic Defense of the uh, of Capital Punishment." So, that's pretty. It's a really good book. Highly recommend. Um, I have a ton of books. I'm trying to re- get back into philosophy, so I'm also reading a book on the history of philosophy. So from uh, Socrates to Sartre, um, and uh, a few other books. So I gave away some of my. I had some gems of philosophy in my collection. I gave them to our buddy Alex, and because uh, he was, you know, trying to get his masters in philosophy, <clears throat> I thought I'll never read these. These are just not interesting to me at all. Wow! So I gave the them away. Respect to Aristotle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kim yep. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Uh, on YouTube says uh, that she's a first-time commenter. Praise be to God. Uh, yeah. Said the Magicory, the message Wayne Weeble. Uh, don't know who yeah, that is. I don't know either. But thanks for commenting. Thanks for commenting. Praise be to God. I'm not a fan of uh, Magigory though. I, I personally don't think it's a real apparition. I think it's uh, it's a false apparition, in my own opinion. We're grateful you've commented, Kim. Praise be to God. My case is lots of books from Tan. Yeah, I, I, I agree there. Tan, wow, the Tan's poor guy's reading awesome. the Father Brown Mysteries, G.K. Chesterton. Oh, Mike, yeah. you've been hanging around Adrian Fonseca too much. Overcoming Sinful Anger, Sacred, Then Sacred Now. Uh, Christus Vincit. I've got that That's too. That's a great book. Yeah. I think I've got that on ebook, though. I find myself reading more ebooks these days. Just because of the oh, sheer Oh, Secret of the Rosary. Yes, Mike. That's a great book. I buy that book in bulk and give it away to people. I love that book. Secret yeah. of the Rosary. If you have not read Secret of the Rosary, that needs to go to the top of your list right now. Secret of the Rosary. Excellent, excellent book. And Christus Vincit, also a great book. But Secret of the Rosary, easily one of the best spiritual works. Speaking and it's super of, easy to read. Speaking of, of Christus Vincit, we're supposed to get Bishop Athanasius Snyder back on. Hopefully yes. soon. Hopefully. Hopefully soon. 
Maureen says, books everywhere. Dairy, uh, Diary of St. Faustina, Consecration to St. Joseph, several cookbooks, too. We actually have some cookbooks as well. My daughter, Mary Elizabeth, who is a voracious reader and uh, uh, an aspiring writer, too. I have to tell you, she's got some great talent. Um, she also loves to cook. And so we have a couple of, you know, Catholic-themed uh, cookbooks that uh, she just devours. It's awesome. Jesus said, uh, I love it. The clown music comes out. And Mr. Alquist speaks for one minute. That's about as much Chesterton. <laughs> LOL. The clown music comes <laughs> on. It, he Ouch. means the spots during the breaks. Ouch. He means the spots during the breaks. Poor Ooh, Dave Alquist. Buddy yeah. Kane asks, why does the priest put the body of Christ and the blood of Christ as he is blessing the Eucharist? Intinction? Or no, he, he means the mingling. Yeah, I think the he co-mingling. means the, the fracturing. Yeah, yeah. Yes. the co-mingling, yeah. Yeah, so you, you fracture the host which is a symbolic of the breaking of the body of Christ, meaning like the death of Christ. And then you have the commingling of the, of the, uh, of the species of bread and wine and to, together to symbolize the reunion of the body and soul. Um, and so then they're united. And then this is all symbolic because any, all of the things that happen there, uh, it actually, it's still the body and blood of Christ before he does that. And after he does that, uh, the, the Eucharist is the resurrected body of Christ. It's not the crucified body of Christ. It's the resurrected body of Christ. So he's not being crucified again, and it's not uh, he's not being harmed, and he's not. So that's symbolic. They break the fracturing, and the praise, and that's so when he says, "May the peace of Christ be with you." Uh, he's actually saying it, facing uh, the altar and fracturing the host when he says it. Uh, so it's very, it's very interesting and very fascinating, very um, symbolic. I want to thank Christopher Velasquez and Patty for sharing our video today. Thank you, guys. God love you both. We're very grateful to you. Sharing is caring, so please do mm -hmm. us a favor and smash the share button. The like button, too. Those are very powerful algorithm generators. Something I'm very focused on these days is trying to... Uh, I've been trying to avoid this like the plague for the most part, but the reality is what it is, and it's time for us to get very serious about how we... Uh, create our content, how we uh, deliver our content and the metadata and all of those things. So this is something I used to do a lot uh, on other channels, growing audiences, and it's a lot of work. And that's why I've avoided it, because <laughs> it's a lot of work. Um, it's like a full-time job, but we have to do it. And uh, so I actually uh, have been a student of the YouTube algorithm starting back in 2014. And now it used to be like subscribers or view counts were very big. Those actually don't mean as much, really. Uh, what does mean a lot, what does sort of generate a lot of help on the algorithm side is sharing, commenting, and, and liking. The like button can be a very powerful means with which to uh, encourage the algorithm to show our content to new people, to more people. So you sharing this content is super important to us, and we're very grateful for you for doing that. It helps us to grow uh, and to reach more people for the glory of God. I want to go back to Jesus's comment. Uh, we have just a couple minutes here. But he said, uh, this is going back to the conversation we were having with Gabriel Castillo. He says, true, the Eucharist gets treated like a snack by many. These public leaders being so, so, so open about abortion on receiving communion is a loud megaphone. It's not practicing what we preach when immigration is more important than the life of an unborn, the cookie 
given at church becomes so relative to Catholics. We receive not knowing what we are receiving. May the Lord have mercy. His body, blood, soul, and divinity is truly present in our altars. Amen. Amen. Yeah, Amen. Well said. Well said, Jesus. And it's true. It's tragic, isn't it? I mean, think about it. 69% of Catholics do not either know, uh, understand, or believe of the church's teaching on transubstantiation. 69%. More than half. That is, that's, that's so tragic. It's just mind-numbing to think about that many people. And that was one of the, like, when I, be, early on, coming to the, into the church, it's like that, what, you all don't believe the same thing? Like, it seemed weird. It just seems weird, right? Like, you're all Catholics, but you don't believe the same things. It's like, uh, why are you at a place where you don't believe what yeah. is being taught? Yeah. Why are you here? And just pray yeah. for conversions. What, what, what's the point? What's the point? If you don't agree with it, why are you here? If you are the, if you are the Pope of your own little church, if you are the, uh, you know, the, uh, the curia, if you are the, uh, the, the, uh, if you are the ones, the arbiters of what is true and what is not true of your own little private church, then why come to the Catholic Church at all? What's the point? Go create your own thing. Go do your own. Not, I don't think you ought to. I'm not suggesting you really you ought to do that. But my point is common sense. You don't have to be a genius. You don't have to have you know uh, tons of degrees to just sit there and go, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't pass the smell test. If you reject what the church teaches, why are you here? And that is the invisible power of the Eucharist. They don't yeah. know why, they don't believe it, but yet they keep coming back. Yeah, well, the tragedy, though, is are they receiving in a state of grace? Kevin Williams, first-time commenter, thank you. Kevin Williams, praise be to God. God love you. Elizabeth, thanks for hanging out with us again. Estella, Grandma, praise be to God. Thanks for hanging out with us. But that uh, music means we are done. I have no idea who the guest is tomorrow. Do I? Do we know? Well, maybe we know. It's a good chance we're going to know by the end of today. But tomorrow, we're going to have a great show. Hopefully, you'll join us. 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. God willing, God loving. Uh, thank you all for doing, uh, being a part of our show, hanging out with us and just chatting. We're very grateful to you. God bless you. Have a great day, and we'll see you then. Thank you for joining us.